At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. Today, um, I'm going to kind of dabble in <laughs> relationships within the church. Church relationships. For some people, I think relationships are, are a difficult thing. Many times... Um, People don't know how to act or to treat people in relationships because we're not taught. Um, kind of just throw everything in a bag and shake it all together, together and just treat everybody the way we think it's best to treat them. And most of the time in those situations, we would, we, when we're not taught and we don't know what God thinks about relationships, we'll just treat people uh, the best we can that in a lot of ways will profit us, you know, what's best for us. And um, there's a lot in the Word um, that talks about relationship, I mean a lot. And today, you're going to see in some of the verses of Scripture that I read um, how much it really does talk about it. Um, and I, and I'm just, I'm just going to say this to you today, that and I want you to get this, and then I'm going to tell you something else before I kind of totally start my message. But so much of what God is going to do from today on in your life, He's going to do through people, through the right people in your life. God's going to do it through people. Amen? And I think what happens is, in our society, is that we start thinking that we can do it on our own. And we can't if we base what I'm fixing to teach you about uh, in the Word of God. If we're going to base our life on what I'm going to share with you today, then you'll find out very quickly from that. I'm not saying that most of you don't understand this to a point, but we've got to go deeper with these things because we want God's best in the earth in our lives and for the good of other people. Amen? But I want to say this first. Um, and I want to talk about you know in 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 church life and serving in church and you know all that is talked about or has been talked about through the years if you've been in the church at all um, you've if you in other churches or congregations you've heard about serving and the benefit of serving. Surely you have. If you've been around here very long, you've heard it a lot because we talk about it. But, and, and today I'm just, um, I'm just going to start this out in what I'm, what I'm ministering regarding relationships within the church from the, from the head down. That's the way I'm going to approach it, from the head down. Um, every church congregation of people, according to the Word of God, has to have an under-shepherd. There's only one shepherd. There's only one head, and that's Jesus Himself. But in the structure of the church in the earth, there has to be under-shepherds. And all through Scripture, and we'll talk about this uh, on another day, but all through Scripture, it talks about how that leaders are supposed to treat the flock, is what the Bible calls it, the people in the church. How a leader like myself or my wife and I, how we're to treat people within the church. And, um, and what, what it says in so many different ways, I'm just going to give you a little bit of it right now, but in so many different ways, it it tells leaders to, number one, treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't take advantage of people. As a, as a leader, don't intimidate people with your leadership role. Because people can come into the church and they can worship the person standing on the platform because of the way they've been taught. Did you hear me? And... 
The Bible's very clear. You have to break that down to where people don't look at it that way. You can't take advantage of people as a leader. You can't force people or, or um, intimidate people with serving because you want to get something done. You want to accomplish something. You can't do that. As a leader, you can't do it. There's not a person in here today that if whatever role that you're serving in today, you quit serving, that I would treat you any different. Not, not a soul. And I don't think anybody that's ever served and then switched or they stepped out of something for a while or whatever it was, you've never been treated that way for me. I mean, because you can do whatever you want. You're, you're not under pressure. We've never pressured people. And sometimes I will, I will notice where it looks like somebody's doing a little more than maybe they should be doing, and, and I'll, I'll even discuss that with them or talk to them about it. I'm not saying I'm going to take something away from somebody because I think they're doing too much. I want to make sure they're not under pressure doing it. And why? Because you need to do everything you do as though you're doing it unto God. And that's what these next scriptures are about. I'm telling you right up front that if you feel pressured to do what you're doing, like if I don't do this, the pastor's going to be mad at me, you can't do that. That didn't mean you should quit what you're doing, but you need to, you need to deal with your heart attitude in why you're doing it. Because everything that we do, all my coming up in the church, that if you name it, I've done it. In the churches that I was in before I started pastoring this church, I did everything. Everything you could do. I did it. And you know why? Because I wanted to do it. I, I can remember, I can remember the pastor, the, one of the first churches that I was in after we got married. I remember him asking me about cleaning the church. And I thought to myself, you want me to clean the church? Not like that was too big for me. I thought, what an honor. I don't know how many years I cleaned one church and then how many years I cleaned the next church. And leading worship at the same time. And part of the prayer ministry and part of the bookstore that got stuff into people's hands. I mean, I just, you know. And after a while, my wife says, you know what? You need to slow down with Tad. Because you can't do everything, right? And, and, then, and, and I, just, I just thought, wow. I thought they were looking at me and, and honoring me, you know, as a result. And I'm not saying they weren't, but they needed somebody to fill in a slot. And so I just did it. And I loved it. And I mean, every job I've ever had in the, in the working world, I never had a job that was less than 12 hours a day. So I was doing that. At one point, I was going to five services a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, and Monday night. Did I say Monday night? Anyway, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Five services a week. Serving in all of those. Working 12 hours a day. Sometimes five and a half days a week. Did it for a long time. Never even thought about it. Why am I telling you this? I'm just saying... I did and I served in churches because I wanted to. You understand? I didn't serve in churches because I had to. And had I feel, felt the pressure of serving, uh, I probably wouldn't have done it. And so I give credit to the people in authority. They let me do a lot of things. And, you know, there were times I had to back out of stuff because I just didn't have time to do it. You know? But there's something in church relationships and in serving in the church that have so much to do with your future. And this is why I'm just going to read these scriptures, and as I always say, let the scripture do the talking. Amen? So, in, just in this message, I want you to remember this verse out of Romans 14 and verse 19, and it's in the Passion Translation. <clears throat> 
It says this, So then, make it your top priority to live a life. Make it your top priority. Make it a 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 top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships. Eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. Make it top priority. Make it top priority. Make that top priority. Make it what? Top priority. What's top mean? There's nothing higher. Nothing more important. Make it top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships. And so what I'm going back to is this. If you don't develop that, it's going to hinder your future. Because I, I don't know how you see things, but when I read something that says top priority, that means first and foremost, make sure you're living like this and developing this in the relationships in your life. And I'm going to bring it over into relationships in the church world. There's so much, I mean, I, I could actually just kind of stand here and talk to you for about the next three hours about relationships in the church. And the misunderstanding about relationships, the misrepresentation of certain types of relationships in the church that I've seen through the years. I told you in the beginning what the leader's responsibility is in, or, or part of it, it, the leader's responsibility in the church is to make sure, and I'll say it like this, I'll kind of define it, is to make sure that in the church that the leader doesn't put a heavy load on and, and, and expectations on people to where like what's projected is if you don't do something that we're not going to make it. In my world, in my book, that's the worst thing that a pastor can do, a leader can do, is put such pressure on people. Some people might say, yeah, but man, if you don't pressure people, then, then how are you going to get people to serve? You're going to teach them like I'm doing today. Teaching people about relationship. I'm serious about this. I mean, this is, this is real stuff. Because at the end of the day, if I'm pressuring you and then you're going to do something different than what I'm pressuring you about, most of the time you can't stay around. You have to leave. And if my pressure and my attitude has affected you in a way that you're now pulling yourself out from underneath the Word of God and hearing and growing in the Word of God, then I've worked in a negative way where your life is concerned because I was pressuring you, in many cases, talking about leaders, I was pressuring you for my agenda. The truth is, when you, when you forge, not like forgery, but when you forge a relationship, it's like, it's like a chain. I, I, I've seen people make chains, real thick chains. And to forge those links together, to forge them together, it takes a lot of beating and hammering and a lot of heat. And the reason a lot of people don't last in relationships in church life because there's a lot of heat. We, we want just comfortable relationships. We want to just kind of, we, we want, the, you know, those, those kind of 
They look like links and they're clips and they just kind of clip together. <laughs> we, just, we don't want to have to put out any effort and we just want to clip to the next person. Hmm? No, not God's way. You know why? Because if I'm developing a relationship with Eric in the church, Eric's got a background, I got a background, you know, we first meet each other, shake hands, yeah, everything's great, you know, and then along the way, you get to know somebody a little bit more, and you find out, well, they're not all I thought they were, but God still is, right? And see, I, I don't need Eric to do a tamp dance and perform and do everything that I need him to do because my relationship is with him. And many times, if Eric's got something that needs to change, it's going to change because of his connection with me. If I'm growing up and I'm spiritual and I'm not afraid to talk to people that don't think just like I do, look just like I do, have the same background that I have, we, you know, I'm telling you, I mean, car dealerships, a car dealership will come up with a new model of a car, then all the dealerships will have one just like it. I mean, let's get creative. You understand? It's the same way in relationships. I mean, why? How boring could it get if everybody thought like you, looked like you, had the same background that you had? Man, we, we strengthen each other because of our differences. And we need to forge relationships at times, no matter how difficult it can be. There's parameters that have to be put up. There's guidelines. There's things. I mean, it just goes with the territory. But, you know, not everybody wants to spend all that time because they're too busy with themselves. Coming to church, you learn how to deal with the selfishness. And the selfishness gets dealt with in the developed relationships that you're not just always accustomed to. Yeah, I feel like we're on, hitting on all cylinders now. <clears throat> so, this, I'm just reading two verses. You can go back and read all this in, in Ephesians 4 that talks about, about the church, the fivefold ministry, and the, how the church is built and all this. But the verse 15 and 16, and I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation, says this. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ. So, where are you going to learn how to be like Jesus in the church? Well, you know, I can just stay at home and I can watch messages. And yeah, you can, and that's good. I thank God for technology. I love to I listen to messages all the time. But, he said, who is the head of his body, the church. One of the horrible things to me that has happened, just my opinion, okay? You don't even have to like it. You may not even totally agree. But one of the most horrible things that's happened through COVID is people not coming back together. Horrible, horrible, demonic, ungodly. You understand? Listen, if you're you got a great job and you're staying at home and you're doing all that kind of, you just got to work harder at it. Did you hear what I said? I'm not, I, 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 mean, for some, I mean, some of the best jobs that people have today and one good thing coming through COVID, I mean, it's like, it's, it, it looks like it's horrible on this side, but it's also great on this side. I think, I think some of the businesses, people working five days a week, going to work, they wasted a lot of their time. They can, they're so much more productive Going in three days a week, doing something like that. So I, I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying people not coming together and congregating and think they can do it on their own. He said, who is the head of his body, the church, he makes, he makes, who does? He, capital H, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Who's He? He Christ. He the living Word. He the Word preached and then revealed by the Holy Ghost. And then practicing that Word on one another. Because He says this. He said, as each part 
does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Mm. So, I started this message out telling you that if I'm the one trying to force you and make you be like this right here, it's wrong. But if I don't teach you the truth of this and let you know that your future will become brighter and brighter the more you develop relationships with the church. I mean, I could give you 50 different statements that I've heard through the years. Well, Pastor, you know, I didn't, I didn't experience some of this pressure and this stuff and this whatever, you know, until I started coming to church and developing relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you got to church and you started forging. Hmm? Developing under pressure and heat and difficulties and those type of things and we learned how to get through it. We've learned how to deal with it. I promise you, I haven't done, I haven't developed relationships correctly through the years. 100% correct. I'm still learning how to develop right relationships. I'm still learning, after 34 years, how to be a better leader. How to understand people. How to do my part. You, you, know, you know what I spend time looking at in Scripture? I mean, I study how to teach things like this, but I'm spending more time looking at what my responsibility is than anybody else's. I'll just, I just had this thought came to my mind right now, and I'm going to be able to pull it up instantaneously. Ta-da! There it is. I read you this passage couple of weeks ago out of Ephesians 6, 1 through 9, and it starts out, children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. For the commandment, honor your father and mother, was the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise that you'll prosper and live a long life uh, if you honor your parents. I used to preach that to my kids when they were little. You need to honor your parents. It was focused on what they were doing or not doing. And then it said, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Raise them up with loving discipline and counsel uh, that brings the revelation of our Lord to their life. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm doing that. That's what I'm doing right here. Submit to your parents. Do what I tell you. Sounds like a real godly attitude. Seems like it's bringing real revelation from the Father. No? Just using that as an example, and through the years, what what I've had to learn to do is, number one, repent for some of my actions, but number two, focused on what my role is. See, because at the end of the day, when it's all the dust is settled, the only person I can control is me. Same with you. Not even my spouse. Right? Not people closest to me. I'm responsible for me at the end of the day. As a pastor, I'm responsible for the flock to a certain level. I have responsibilities, and I'm looking at those responsibilities more and more all the time as an under-shepherd. Take it serious. That's why, that's why my vision is growing so large. At, at my age, at 64, I have a lot of friends that are kind of stepping out or just taking new roles, getting out of pastoring after 30 years or whatever. I, it's like I, I have more today than I've had in my whole life because I see what my role is. And if I do that correctly, the seed of that is going to help produce in your lives, what you need from Him in the same way. If I, if I continue to look at what I need to do. So what I'm sharing with you, let me get back to my 
Scripture. So what I'm sharing with you here has to do with how the body fits according to our connection to Him. And where you get that is from the body, which is the church. That's where you get it. It's the preaching of the Word. It's the prayers that are being prayed over you every day. It's the worship of the Word. It's the serving opportunities. It's the connection with people of the same precious faith. Even if you're connecting with somebody that's developing their faith, but man, they got a boatload of stuff. The Bible says you who are spiritual help restore those. That's why we need the church. Yeah, I'm the church. You're the church. You're not the church by yourself. This is the best way to connect when you're connected to the body because you're connected to now the revelation of Jesus Christ flowing to your life. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 12, and verse, starting with verse 18, and it's um, in the New Living Translation. There's a lot in this chapter, a good chapter to read on a periodic basis, actually. Really great chapter. But verse 18 says this, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. And you're one part, and you pull away, then you're just one part, and you're strange. Based on what he just said. (laughs) The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Right? So, here's an action of the hand. As a result of the brain and other things, but it's the hand that picks this up. Okay? Watch me pick it up with my eye. (laughs) Strange. And if you're an eye, and you don't need the hand, and you pull away from the body... This is you walking around. I mean, just just right here. (laughs) That's you walking around. You can see a lot, but you can do almost nothing. If we believe in the church, if we believe in the body of Jesus Christ, if we believe in what He... see, See, I'm just teaching you this. I'm giving this to you for you to decide. See, this isn't me trying to hammer this down your throat. I'm just letting you know this is the way God thinks. Because God, He doesn't just think this way. He is this way. He is this way. I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Head can't say to the feet, I can handle it. So who's the head? He just said here, the head can't say to the feet. You know what? Jesus would never tell the feet, I don't need you. I'm the head. Nobody else is the head. He's the head. You know, I'm saying I'm the head. He's saying I'm the head. (laughs) Jesus is saying he's the head, right? He's doing the thinking, he's doing the seeing, he has all the understanding, he has everything that we need. And then I'm the hand, and I cut it off. And now, that's how, when you stop and think about it, that's how important that your part is. That's what you have to see. How many know what a pancreas is? I I know the word. I'm not sure what it does. But I know it's there, and I'll just tell you this. I wouldn't want to live without it. If God made me 
to have a pancreas, why would I not have a pancreas? I want one. And if you're a pancreas and maybe you're not, you know, you're not up here being seen, all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, Jesus is the head and that's what people need to see. <laughs> right? I mean, he's the head, so he's the hair, <laughs> he's the eyebrows, huh? he's the lips, he's the nose, he's the ears. He's, I mean, so you don't have to be concerned about being any of that. Because he's the head, not me and you. In fact, some parts of the body, like the pancreas, that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Who's in the nursery today? Who is? Michelle and Tia. How many knew that Michelle and Tia were in the nursery today? Uh, four or five, six, a few people did. Well, if you took your kids, you'd see them. I didn't even know who was in the nursery. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if all those kids were in here, hmm, there would be some distractions, and the word wouldn't be getting out, and people wouldn't be receiving what I'm saying today. And some of you are thinking, I wish they were in here. No. <clears throat> Did you hear what I said? So you think they weren't all that important. Huge. Huge. I mean, in a huge way, they're important. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together, God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other, that everybody cares. That everybody cares for each other. Everybody appreciates and honors each other. That's the church that God is building. Right here. That's what He puts together. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. My responsibility in the world of the church is to make sure that that happens. I mean, he's already done it. That's the way he set it up. I've got to know that, and it can't be the ministry and everything else about it can't just be about me. It has to be about us. There's authority, and there's ways to look and see and operate in areas of authority, but not to the place that it overrides him. He set it up this way. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one is hurting, we all hurt. And you know what? I can't make you hurt for somebody else. You've got to hear that and just be challenged to be more aware of when somebody is not doing well that you're listening to the voice of God. That you're hearing His voice to be praying for them. It's not always just fixing things for people. It's being a part of that and walking through it with them. There's ways to do it. There's abuses on the other side of it where you just try to be everything for people, then you're taking God's place. You can't do that. He's real clear in that passage of Scripture right there. Very clear. Colossians 2 and 19 says this. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. <clears throat> we must hold fast to the head. How do you do that? 
Who's the head? Jesus. How do you hold fast to him? What you're hearing preached today is helping you to hold fast and be challenged and be convicted by him how to hold fast to it through the word preached and developing an intimate relationship with him where it's something that is real so that you know how to allow your part, what, what ligament that you are is connecting to the next one and to the next joint and to the next limb and to the next part and feeding it and we're working like the body, the church that is the threat to the enemy's kingdom. The, the, the enemy's kingdom. You know, in, in, in war, and there, there is an enemy. I, I've, I've watched a lot of war movies. And um, one, one tactic in, in, in war that I've seen, at least in war movies, maybe it's not true in, in real life, but in war movies, one tactic against the enemy is to cut off the supply lines. Hmm? You cut the supply lines off in... Uh, anybody uh, ever watched Patton with George C. Scott? Ooh, one of my favorites. And, uh, and in one situation, one thing that happened in that movie is that, that they begin to cut the supply lines to the Germans in this... I think it was when they were trying to take over Poland. And they did take them over, but then they were trying to remove them, and they cut off the supply lines. And over time, they surrender because they couldn't last. And our enemy is constantly coming against our supply line through offenses, mm -hmm. through attitudes, through selfishness? Well, you know, they don't appreciate you there. They're just taking advantage of you. Getting offended because of something that happened to someone else. Many people get hurt in the church world. Many people have through the years. I take responsibility as a leader for maybe at times not doing things the way that I should have done. Maybe somebody got offended and they got hurt. I went after every single person that would actually talk to me through the years. I've always gone after people to make sure that they're not upset with me, that I didn't do something to hurt their lives. To the best of my ability, I've gone after people in those type of situations because I don't want people to have something that they can use that I was unaware of. And especially if I know that I have offended someone, I'm going to go to them. If I've hurt them, if I've done something to, to mess their life up or whatever, I'm going to go to them. Uh, you know, I'm responsible for that. But there are many offenses that are second and third hand that people take because of what other people have dealt with. And what the enemy's after is to cut your supply line off because when you're offended, you're, you may be sitting in church, you'll work your way to the back, and you'll hear things preached, but you won't receive things because you've taken offenses, because the enemy's working overtime to cut your supply line off, and your supply line is connected to the head, which causes all the parts to connect together, get forged together. You, you choose to, no matter what the offenses or anything else, I'm going to stay in the fight. It's a little heated. It's hard. It's difficult. I don't know about this, but I'm going to stay in the fight because he told me to. And I'm, I'm going to forge my relationships, and along the way, I'm going to get free, but I'm going to help other people get free. That's the way it works. Since Jesus left, it's been the process of duplication, of duplicating Christ's likeness from generation to generation to generation. And it'll always be that way till Jesus returns. We're here to demonstrate Christ's likeness, and we've got to do it. His way. Can you say amen to that? Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians, um, I got two passages left. Ephesians 1 and verse 22 says this. 
He put all things under his feet. The Father put everything under Jesus' feet. Gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him fills all in all. Just think of the fullness of Jesus. The fullness. Everything he knows, everything he does, every action he's ever made, every attitude that he's ever overcome, every difficulty that he's ever ever overcome, all of that fullness is inside of us. That's why he died. He died to be able to give to us this perfect example that lived for 33 years on the earth, experienced everything that you and I will ever experience, and he overcame so that now when we experience things, we can overcome. Fullness is inside of us. I'm a part, you're a part, we're parts, right? And our parts coming together are causing the body to grow up and be everything that God created the body of Jesus Christ to be. You don't realize how vital the part that you are is to the advancement of the kingdom of God in the earth. So often people, you know, there'll be something in the church in, uh, that is preached a certain way or somebody doesn't like something that's said or somebody doesn't this or that or whatever. They just choose to get offended by it. And I've seen this, if I've seen it once, I've seen it I don't know how many times, but people get offended by that and then they go on their merry way. Okay? And if they were an eye, then the body is like this. Your eye starts watering after a while after looking out of one eye. Well, our eye left. Our right eye left. Our left eye is still functioning, but our right eye left. Why? Because they were offended. I knew a guy years ago that uh, came to me and he said, uh, Pastor, I really like your preaching, but I just don't believe in that tithing mess. And I said, okay, that's, that's great. I'm glad you like my preaching. He, he looks at me, he said, uh, he was sitting in my office. We were down, living, we were at Water Street. He goes, you're okay with that? I said, absolutely. I said, that doesn't mean I'm not going to teach about it. But if you don't believe in it, that's fine. You know, maybe after a while you can hear the teaching on it, more of the teaching, and maybe, maybe you'll change your mind. But you can sit here till the end of time and come to this church and not be a tither, and nobody will ever say a thing to you. But we're not going to stop teaching about it. I had a lady several years back. I was in the foyer one day, and she asked me the question. She says, why do you talk so much about giving? And I said, because the Bible does. And because people need to be encouraged by it. And she asked me, she said, are you hurting? Like, is the church hurting? Do you need money? And I, and I, I just, I, I heard what she was saying. And I said, have we ever said we need your money? No, no, you've never said that. I said, have we ever tried to pressure you? Have you, have you, when you've heard things taught on it, have you felt pressured that you're like a bad person because you're not tithing or giving. No, no. I'm just, you just talk about it all the time. I said, well, because the Bible does. And I'm encouraged to help people to remember to do that because of the blessing that is to the tither and the seed sower. But it's your choice. I've always given it you the choice. It's your choice. I, I have friends that say that pastor friends that say that, you know, in their church about six to eight percent of the people are tithers in the church. And I thought, well, I'm not sure how you know that, but okay, you know, um, six to eight percent of the church are tithers. Well, I just think in my gut, I just think this, okay? I know what people give in the church at the end of the year because of the letters that we have and that we sign and those kind of things. I'm not about finding out how much you give or you don't give. But in my gut, I just believe that the majority of the people in this church tithe. I just have the sense of that from God. Not my job to, you know, I've had people where they receive letters from churches about, 
asking them why they're not giving anymore. You'd never get anything from this church like that. There's never been, there's never even been a letter typed up. There's never even been a thought of a letter like that. I'm just saying that because I know people have received letters. Never. But we'll never stop teaching about it and giving you the freedom and the liberty to know how to do that. Because you're not going to get that in the world. Hmm? How many people sitting in here today, you graduated from college, and your college taught you, and there's some colleges that teach tithing, but your college taught tithing. That's why you need the church. Did you hear what I said? You need what you got at college, it's all good. But they didn't teach you how to tithe, and they didn't teach you the importance of it, and they didn't continue to remind you of the importance of that. I don't know about you, but I like the fact in my life that devour is rebuked. How about you? Amen? All of that is what we get in the church. All of that is what Jesus has built and established, and, and He is here for us in that way. Can you say amen to that? And I'm going to end with this. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm just going to say this to you again before I read this. So much of what God is doing in your life and will do in your life in the future will be through people. It will be through people. What God will do through your life will be through people, the right people. That's why a person needs to be in the right church. And you notice God set it up for the people, right? You really can't pick and choose where you go. And, and, and the reason people pick and choose is because they're in one place and they don't like some things that are going on. And they, I'm not talking about illegal, immoral, or goes against the word. I'm talking about uh, things that they don't like or this hadn't happened for them or the, whatever, the, some things not exactly right. But what God, if God planted you there, then He wants you to be forged and become a part of that, part of the link, part of the body, connected to it. He wants you to become that in your life, to press through. If you're in a place and you're in the wrong place, that's another thing. You need to uproot from where you've been, and you need to get planted where God wants you. But not because you just don't like everything, because you're going to go to the next place. You're not going to like those things either. There'll be a, I mean, you may have to be there for a year or two, but then you won't like things there. We've got to press through that. And God, He's given us His Word, He's given us His Spirit, He's given us His wisdom, He's given us His understanding, He's given us the ability to be able to press through and forge. You will not be forged unless you can hand, handle the hammering and the heat of relationships. You won't, you won't lean. It's not those easy little snaps. I wish it was. No, I don't. Not now. Amen? 2 Thessalonians 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. Or you could say right there what we've been talking about in your forging process that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I had a hard time with those suffer words for a long time. It was like, suffer, suffer, suffer this, suffer that, suffer, suffer. Yeah? Because when you're going to do stuff God's way, you will suffer in the flesh. You'll suffer in your position. You'll suffer in some of the things you were taught growing up. Uh, well, should be this way. They shouldn't, have they, they, they shouldn't have treated me that way. Yeah, they shouldn't have, but they did. 
talk to the hand. Hmm? You can moan and groan and complain and be a victim or get through it. Hmm? I'm talking about developing relationships with people that have things you need. And I'm not talking about just developing relationships with anybody. I'm talking about developing relationships with the people that God wants you to develop relationship with. And if you're growing in God and you have, you're able to hear the voice of God, He'll show you the ones. You'll have a witness about it. And it won't always be just people that are easy and comfortable. Because many times those are the wrong ones. I'm going to say it to you again today. In the church, there are relationships with each and every person here today that have to do with the advancement of your future individually and the future of the body of Christ. And I believe I gave you enough stuff to look at and let the Lord speak to you through those verses of Scripture how important what I'm saying today is to the church world. We've been talking about relationships and these relationships here we read in that first verse top priority. Top priority. Top priority. Top priority. Top priority. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.